outgive God. Never. You could, you could die for Him, but you still won't ever touch the surface of what He's done for you. And uh, uh, the ushers, I'm going to have the ushers pass out a piece of paper, and we're going to try to do this in a hurry. Uh, I, you know, the kids, if the kids want to do this, that's fine too. They, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you quickly write a short, nobody's going to see it, nobody's going to read it, you don't have to put your name on it. But I want, I want you to write down something that you're facing in your life that is impossible unless God intervenes. Something impossible for you to take care of. You don't have to sign your names. Matter of fact, I don't want you to sign your name. I'd like the gentleman on the platform to have some too whenever you get a chance. I don't want to take a lot of time doing it. Not that it's not important. I just want you to... This is going to be an act of faith, what is going to happen tonight. And at the end of my, my message, if you truly want this taken care of, you're going to come down here and you're going to throw it on the altar and give it to God. And you're going to forget about it. You're going to let God take care of it. You're not going to try to fiddle with it. Sometimes we, uh, sometimes we do when we feel like Abraham. When God told him he was going to have a son. And they laughed. They said, okay, we'll help you out. God don't need any help. He just needs you to have faith. I know faith without works is done. We cannot do... Uh, we, we cannot help some things. We cannot do some things on our own. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want to preach my message before I preach my message. If you all would stand, I know you just sit down. And I would like you to turn your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 10. 17 through 27. Now, I cannot promise you how long I'm going to preach. It seems as though that God gave me these notes and I wrote them down. And it was probably one of the, the con- most condensed messages I've ever been given. And I feel like God wants me to say what He wants me to say. And God's going to do a quick work. Now, I don't know if you all believe... I, I, don't, I don't believe that you all believe that. I, I, I want to let you know tonight that God is pulling for you. I want to let you know tonight that God is not against you. Those who didn't, those who didn't get papers, I, I, I want you to... Uh, the person next to you explain while I talk. I want to let you know that God is not against you. I want to let you know tonight that the reason that you're sick is not because God is some mean God up there, uh, like some men have described Him like a, a big kid up there with a, with a, a, a magnifying glass trying to burn ants. Yeah, you ever read that? Yeah, I've, I've tried that. But I've heard God described like that, that God is just some bully up there and we go through hell and high water because God likes to see us hurt and suffered. That's not how God feels about His church. We are His bride. 
And the husband will do everything within his power to keep his bride safe, to love his bride, to keep them happy. Not to skimp on Valentine's Day. He's pulling for us. These first four, five, six verses I'm going to read has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach, but at the end I'm going to make a point. It seems like that's been happening a lot lately. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why calmest that is what's in there, too, because I printed out I didn't never seen that before. Calmus, never understood that, or never seen that before at Calmus. Maybe you can explain it to me later, Pastor. Calmus, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master... All these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing that thou lackest, go thy way, sell it, whatever, whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions." And Jesus looked round about and saith unto the disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answereth and again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven." And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible. Say it's impossible. But not with God, for all things are possible with God. Or for with God, all things are possible. Say with God. All things are possible. With men, all things are impossible. Now you may be able to get up and go to work on your own accord. But God has given you the power to get up and go to work. So God has given us everything that we need, but we live on this side of impossible. And I want to preach to you this evening, a miracle is just a miracle to God. Wait, you're not going to understand that until I get into this. A miracle is merely a miracle to God. There are no great miracles to God, and there is no small miracles to God. A miracle is a miracle to God. He can do whatever He wants at any given moment. 
Nothing is hard for Him. I don't think that we believe that. Somehow, oh, you may be seated. Now, I'm in an apostolic church, and I'm not preaching to you this evening for results. But God honors faith, and He said, faith without works is dead. Blind Bartimaeus got his healing not only because he had faith, but because he pressed his way through the crowd. And men tried to hold him back. So if you want something from God tonight, you're not going to just sit in the pew and look at me like a bump on the log. You're not going to sit there with your arms crossed. Every miracle in the Bible was caused by desperation. Somebody that was in desperate need of a miracle, they got their miracle. Nobody ever got their miracle just sitting there. I need some volume. There are two sides that is represented in this passage of Scripture, and they are the impossible. And then there is the possible. The word impossible belongs in the category of men. We cannot do anything within ourselves. The word possible belongs in the category of God. For God has no limitations. Say that with me. God knows no limitations. Say He can do anything. Impossible in the Strong's Concordance means unable, weak. Did I say impossible? Excuse me. Impossible means unable, weak, passively impossible, could not do, impossible, incompetent, not possible or weak. Say, that's what I am. Possible means powerful or capable, able, could or mighty, power or strong. Say, that falls under the category of God. In all my years, 34 years, be 35 in a few months, of being in church, I have come to understand just how weak and helpless men are. The older I get, I realize that the more fragile life is, the more I understand that I do not have life by the tail. I don't have everything together. I can't run through a brick wall. I can't punch a wall and and knock it over. For when I was young, I felt like that I had everything going on. I could run a 40-yard dash in 4.7 seconds. It's pretty fast for a white kid. It's a compliment. Don't be pulling that on me. So, I have come to the understanding, as much as I would like to believe that we can do it, We cannot heal cancer. It is impossible. We cannot raise people from the dead. It is impossible. We cannot heal the lame. It is impossible. We cannot forgive sins. It is impossible. We cannot 
breathe on our own. It's impossible. The creation of God can only function with the permission of the one true God that we serve. The creation cannot and has never existed without the Creator. But when one decides to put God in the equation, all of a sudden things begin to happen. Supernatural things begin to happen. All of a sudden water is turned into wine. Men all of a sudden are walking on water. The Red Sea becomes parted. Blinded eyes become open. Deaf ears can hear again. Drug addictions become delivered. Withered hands become normal. The homeless find homes. Sinners become preachers. Sunday schools were once alcoholics. Bible study teachers were drug addicts and losers. But now they have become winners with God. I don't know if I'm sitting with a bunch. I believe with God all things are possible. All things are possible. i got to hear myself. Hallelujah. Cancer's healed. Arthritis is healed. Crohn's disease is healed. The poor find success. The walls of depression are crumbled. Broken homes are mended. And the death becomes resurrected. Not by might, nor by our power, but by the power of Jesus Christ. Everything is possible. If you believe that, you need to stand up and give Him adoration. It's only because of the blood of Jesus Christ that I'm standing here. It's only because of Him that all things become possible. So we know that God can do anything. Say, He will do it for me. Say, He's going to do it for me. Now clap your hands and act like God's already done it. See, a lot of times our problem, a lot of times our problem is we want to clap after He's done it. But I think it would be a good thing that we worship God in advance. The Bible says clap for joy, not because you have joy. I'm going to clap for joy. And if you don't have joy, the best thing that you can do is stand up and begin to clap your hands. So we know that God can do anything. 
We know that He can heal. We know His Word confirms His desires to do great and mighty works in our lives. Jesus said, Whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, that ye shall ask of some things in my name, and I might do. Is that what that said? I'll read it again. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, that if ye shall ask some things in my name, I might do. I want you to put that, wait, I don't even know, I don't even have it written down. I don't even know where it's at. Forget it. You can mark my word. Turn to your Bible and find it in concordance. He said, if ye ask anything, not some things, anything. And the last time I read my Bible, that the only thing that is impossible with God, that He cannot lie. Anything, anything, anything. You mean anything? I mean anything. So why, why is it hard for us at times? And don't all get so spiritual on me that you don't think this way. Why is it hard at times for us to believe that God will not do it or that God cannot do it? Could it be that we measure God's success and we measure God's abilities according to our own. And we look in the mirror, and so many times we're the ones in control, and we think we can't do it, so we think God cannot do it. Just because we feel helpless, and just because we face the impossible doesn't mean God's abilities are lacking. He's not suffering from depression in a corner somewhere, clamoring down behind a rock because he's scared. He ain't walking in a church service and going, I don't feel like it tonight. I, I just don't think I, I have it in me to dance. and I don't think I have it in me to worship. He knows. He's sure. He's God. He sees the beginning. He sees the end. He can do everything any time that He wants. Hallelujah. I'll give you the bad news first. Are you ready? This is going to knock some of you off for a loop. I don't want you to get depressed on me. I'll give you the bad news first. God has never, nor will He ever need your talents, or He'll never need your abilities. He don't. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to prove it to you. I, uh, well, let, me, let me tell you the good news next. Before we were even thought of, God had everything in control. Before he ever breathed 
the breath of life into Adam. He had everything in control. God declared in Isaiah, Thus saith the Lord, Thy Redeemer, He that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretch forth the heavens alone. I said He did it alone and spreadeth abroad the earth by Myself. He didn't need anybody to help Him. He didn't need the angels. He didn't need the second person in the Godhead to help Him. He did it all by Himself. So what that tells me is He don't need us to try to force our hand in everything. He wants us to step back. And quit trying to control situations. He said, I'm in control. I did it first when the first when the world started, and I'll do it now. Before mankind was in the picture, he was doing wonders. Before mankind was ever breathed, breathed the breath of air, God was building oceans. Before man ever walked this earth, God separated the light from the darkness. Before we came into the picture, He had already designed a plan on Calvary's hill for you and for you and for you and me to be saved. He already took the stripes on His back so that I could be healed. Hallelujah. 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 feel like I'm preaching tonight to some people in here that your faith had been ripped down. You've been stripped of your faith. And depression has set in. And you don't feel like you can claw your way back up. And you're trying to do everything on your own. But God has sent me here tonight and brought me here with a word straight from God to tell you that you cannot make things happen on your own. You need to step back and let God be God. Hallelujah. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. God is getting ready to do something in this place. Say, God is getting ready to do something in this place. Do you believe that? You better have your hands out. You better be ready to catch it when God gets ready to throw it out. But even knowing that God is in full control... And that God never experiences impossibilities or failure. The carnality of the man at times overrides the God-given faith that we need to experience a miracle. For many times, for instance, many times we make decisions by what we see and how we feel. When the Bible says that faith should come by hearing God's Word, we tend to base our faith by what we see. Blind Bartimaeus was born blind. He had never, ever witnessed a miracle. All around him, 
Deaf ears were being unstopped. Leprosy was being cleansed. He had never, ever seen a blue sky. But he got his faith by the proper way because he had heard. Because the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing. And so many times our faith has been kicked in the teeth because we've been exercising our sight and how we feel. And if blind Bartimaeus had made his decision on whether he went to Christ, he would have never made it because even the apostles tried to shut his mouth. People was trying to keep him back. You've never even seen a miracle. How do you even know? How do you even know? How do you even know? I tell you how I know. I can feel him. There's something about the presence of God. And I heard. Oh, I've heard it before. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna can I steal it from somebody? Whoever I heard it from. I think I heard it from him. Going to a doctor, doctor's office, it's cancer. It's all over. Oh, you even start to feel more sick. You, I mean, you, you, you just start, and all of a sudden you, you stop getting out of bed because you, you feel sick. It's because you start believing it. And you start believing it. And you start believing it. And you believe it. And you believe it. And all of a sudden, you don't die from the cancer. You die from, wor- die from worrying about the cancer. But when the pastor or the man of God gets behind the pulpit and reads you something out of the Word of God, the Bible says that God is truth, but let every man be But you don't want to believe this because you can't see it. You can't. All right, I'm getting away from my notes here. Hallelujah. I will tell you something. We tend to base our faith by what we see. Many of us, I'll prove it, many of us, have seen God heal cancer. But on the other hand, I would venture to say that many of us have never seen, some of us maybe, I'm not saying, many of us never seen a mentally challenged person healed. Oh, that's good. God is happy with uh, their simplicity. He, he, can't, he, he won't do it. Well, I'm, a, I'm in, I'm in uh, some heat here. I'm sure most of us have seen God heal muscle pains, heart attacks, headaches. But probably I'd venture to say that most of y'all maybe just heard, maybe of a couple, maybe not even ever heard at all of anybody ever getting healed of AIDS. You've heard of it. I'm sure most of us have seen God heal toothaches or had that happen, but have never seen a mountain move. Many of us have seen pain leave from one's arm, but have never, ever witnessed 
unless you read or ever heard about it in the Word of God, someone's withered arm growing out, maybe in the Philippines or Ethiopia. We have all seen the greatest of all miracles, and that is when someone receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But how many of us have ever witnessed someone's leg or arm grow out that was never there in the first place? So what happens because we walk by sight and because we had never seen it happen, we tend to believe, oh, that's impossible. Oh, I guess I'm being like honest Abe tonight. Because I have felt that way. Regardless how spiritual one may claim to be, we have all one time or another have measured God's ability to work by how we rate our view of the situation. We have a tendency to look at a dilemma and base whether God will help or intervene on how bad the situation is. Am I telling the truth right now? For instance, oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, you better get ready. Are you ready? In the New Testament, we find that there are three resurrections that had occurred besides the one of Jesus Christ. The first one was the resurrection of Jairus' daughter. He said she was just asleep and then she raised up. Number two... The second resurrection was written by the, uh, the Apostle Luke, by the widow, uh, the widow of Nain. Her son had died, and Jesus found them and interrupted a funeral procession and then spoke life into his body. Thirdly, and Jesus, we all know the story. We've heard it preached. I've preached it before purposely delayed his coming even knowing that his friend Lazarus would die he didn't show up and the reason he didn't show up was because everybody knew everybody had saw him heal and everybody knew that he was the healer but nobody really had it in their mind in their hearts that he was the resurrection so he said, I'm not going to go and give them what they expect. Because I'm going to go there and I'm going to blow their pea brains. One side of us would say that all three miracles were astonishing. How many of y'all can raise a dead person? Your brother was raised from the dead. I know of many men and women that was raised from the dead. I've been around it. I saw it with my own eyes when I was a little kid. Unfortunately, we, none of us, we all want to see that, but nobody wants to die to have that happen. But one side of us would look at that situation, all three of those miracles, and be astonished. We would look at all three resurrections and consider them amongst the greatest things that we could ever hear about. How many of you would dance? I, I, I want you to be serious. How, much, how many of y'all would dance? 
How many would dance if it was somebody that you really cared about? Boy, you got hands there. Well, I don't care about them. Don't give them CPR. Call the ambulance in about 20 minutes. But then, even though we would view all three resurrections to be great miracles, something that is all too common with all of us would take place because we live on this side of the impossibilities. Eventually, the carnal side would begin to analyze all three miracles, just like how I got this message. Because I begin to analyze it. For instance, even though that all three were brought back from the dead, human nature might say that one situation was worse than the other. One might say that the daughter of Jairus was a great miracle, but, come on folks, she had only been dead for just a few hours. And, you know, she, she had, you know, she, maybe she was just asleep like the Master said. And her, her entrails were, were still warm. She, life hadn't been gone out of her body very, uh, very long. Uh, rigor mortis hadn't even set in yet. She was just dead for just a little while. Uh, her dad went and got Jesus, and he got uh, interrupted a couple miracles, and finally Jesus got there, and it was a great miracle. But that wasn't that bad. Then another voice would speak up and say, If you think that miracle was great, you should have seen Jesus raise up the widow of Nain's son. I mean, by all rights, he, he had been dead a lot longer than Jairus' daughter. After all, they were, he, had just, he wasn't even in the grave yet. They were on their way to bury him. His body was stiff and had rigor mortis and he, he was wrapped up. But that was a greater miracle than the first. I'm just being honest how humans think. Then someone would say, hold on, you, you, you haven't seen anything yet. Uh, have you heard about the friend of Jesus? Lazarus, he, he died. This situation is worse than anything that we've ever seen. It was worse than Jairus' daughter. It was worse than the widow of Nain's son. Jesus was called out. He never showed up, but finally he did. And here he is. He's been in a grave for four days, and he stinks. His skin began to rot off. Do you know why he stunk? They didn't prepare his body. It shows me that at first, see, he used to put spices around someone's body to keep the stench down so their body wouldn't smell. It would bother people. And, and uh, <clears throat> they didn't put them six foot in the ground a lot of times. They threw them in a, in, a, in, a, in a rock cave or somewhere. Sometimes they dug graves, but... Uh, they didn't even they, they didn't even uh, put the spices on the body. It showed me that they had a little faith that Jesus may come, but he didn't come and he stinketh by now. You ready? Say I'm ready. I come tonight to declare to you some good news. I come to give you hope. 
God lives on the other side of the impossibilities. And it doesn't matter how bad things may appear. To us, we'll rate a miracle. And we look at certain miracles and say, that's possible, that's impossible. Oh, I've seen that before. God can do that. God can't do that. But let me tell you something. To to God, a miracle is simply a miracle. There is nothing. There is nothing that is impossible. So, there are three types of people that are sitting in this room. Some of you have walked into this church, in this service tonight, with the situation, with the level of severity of Jairus' daughter. Your situation has only been dead for a while. But it's dead. One may even say that it's just asleep, but it's dead. But nevertheless, you need a visitation from Jesus. But then we have those that are among us. Your situation has just like the widow of Nain. Jesus had to interrupt a funeral procession to give you a miracle. You're getting ready to give up. You're getting ready to take what you need, the thing that you've been praying for for so long, and you're on your way to a tomb. And when you put it in there, it's all hope is gone. You're going to look at it for one last time. You're going to wrap it up, and you're going to stick it in there, and you're going to say, forget about it. It's done. There's no hope. But then... There's those that may appear that it could not get any worse. Some of you have come in here for years. You've been praying over the same thing. You've looked at God and said, God, I don't know what to tell you. God, I prayed for you to come to visit me a long time ago. And I had faith. But now I don't have much faith. Matter of fact, it's been in the tomb. I gave up. We put the stone in front of the hole. And there's no hope. Matter of fact, your problem stinks. But I come to let you know that God has come tonight to let you know that it doesn't matter how bad things may appear. Hallelujah.
Jesus is the resurrection. I said, Jesus is the resurrection. I said, it doesn't matter how bad things look in your life. He can do anything. If you, it doesn't matter what your problems look like right now. If you, I know you've been worried. I've been, I worry about things. But I have to come to the grips that I serve a God that can speak life into nothing. That... How many of you need a miracle tonight? I want you to hold up that paper. I want you to stand up with me. I'm done. I'm going to quit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're looking at situations. And on this side of, the th- of things, everything that you're looking at is impossible. You cannot help. You can't do anything about it. The first thing that you need to understand tonight is like I said in the beginning. That God is for you. And that He wants to heal you. He wants to heal you. Just like I want to give to my children what's best for them. The fact sometimes is they don't know what's best for them. I'm not talking about pipe dreams and winning the lottery tickets and finding uh, millions of dollars or finding bricks of gold in your backyard. I'm talking about all-out needs, things that you're facing, that you're looking at, and you don't know how in the world unless Jesus shows up. I want you to hold it up. You know what I'm going to do? I know I'm preaching. I'm going to have Pastor Robertson. He's our head. And he's going to come up here and pray. And when he's done praying, you're going to come up here and you're going to lay your need on the altar. And you're going to give it to God. I don't care how bad it stinks. I don't care how long it's been dead. I want you to lay it up here. And then when you get up here, I want you to release worship unto God and release praise unto God and begin to praise God like it's already done. And I want you to visualize it happening. If you've got children that are lost, I want you to visualize them in the altar speaking in tongues. If you have husbands that need the Holy Ghost, I want you to visualize them in that baptismal tank. Close your eyes and let's pray the prayer of faith together right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. As I release, God, the gift of faith over this congregation, you see every need, God. You know what they have written down. You know, Lord, the desire of their heart, God. These things are not for the wrong motive, but these are all for the right motive. You know that, Lord, and I pray right now, let faith begin to build. Let faith begin to build, God, right now. Let it begin to build, God, in them. Let them know that when they lay this down, God, that you're going to meet this need. I ask it now, as you feel your faith begin to build, come up here and lay it. Only as you feel your faith build, come down and lay them lay on the altar. As you feel it build, as you feel it build, begin to love God and do what He said. Begin to worship right there beside it. Begin to worship. Begin to worship. 